to go to Arizona. And I was in Arizona with my friend Rick. Rick's sitting there. Rick, raise your hand so you guys know that's Rick. Sitting in the back. Rick, you'll, you know Rick. He sometimes is up here helping lead worship. We went to Arizona on an elk hunt. And we went um, elk hunting in the mountains of Arizona. Now, I'm going to talk about that for a second. And here's what I realized. I realized that some people don't like hunting. So you may be a person there going, I don't want to hear about hunting. I don't, I don't like hunting. I love hunting. I like meat. And elk is yummy. And so I'm going to talk about that for a second. So I wanted to be an equal opportunity kind of person. So I gave this picture right here. So if you do not like elk hunting, here's what I want you to do while I'm talking. I want you to look at this beautiful tree. Think about giving it a big old hug. <laughs> Think about a bag of granola. And you could, do, you could tune me out while I talk about hunting right now, okay? And just think about this tree if, you, if you're anti-hunting. But, so we, we went on this elk hunt, and we weren't actually the hunters. We, we didn't have license for it. We went because our, uh, Rick's son lives in Arizona, and he had license to go elk hunting. So we just went along to be spotters and to help do whatever you do when you help hunt elk. And it was a great time, camping and, like, truly camping, like, no running water, no toilets. Like, that was, like, real camping. It's not my cup of tea, but it was good. And, and another thing that was not my cup of tea is we spent every single day, morning and night, hiking and walking. And we weren't just, like, walking through the trails of Winona. This was, like, up mountains. At one point, Rick and I were climbing a mountain. I want to say it was 45 degrees. It may have been more of, of, a, of an incline where we're climbing up, the ground's falling behind us, and we're actually having to use our hands to climb up this mountain to get to the top of this peak so we could look out and, and search for animals. So, so hiking, and then the other thing that we had to do is be very quiet. When you're hunting, you have to be very, very quiet. You can't, you can't talk loud. And in fact, Rick's son said to me, you know, Tom, you don't know how to whisper. <laughs> My wife tells me that. Um, so two things that I'm not good at that I had to do for a week was hike and hunt. So last Sunday, while you were meeting here and worshiping and, and, and you know, service was happening, I was hiking through the mountains. And so I was praying for you guys. I was praying that the service would, would be awesome, that you guys would meet, meet God in a way and worship God in a way. I was praying for David as he preached. And um, I got an opportunity to listen to David's message, and I thought he did an awesome job. Other than something about some love zombies, do you guys remember that? That was kind of, I didn't quite grasp that. I guess you had to be here. But, but Dave did a job, you know, he, he was talking about the core value that we have as a church of reconciling people with God and all creation. And, and, and what, he was, what he was saying is that, you know, because of the fall, if you remember, if you were, were here, because of what took place with Adam and Eve in the garden, there was separation between man and God. And, and, and a core value for, for us at Branches is to reconcile people to God. And not only just to reconcile anybody, but to reconcile everybody. Anybody of any race, of any culture, of any social class, economic class. Our goal is to be people that, that bring people back into the family of God. And I, I thought Dave did a good job. Dave, Dave gave a, a challenge. If you, if you were here, and I just want you to ask yourself... Did you take that challenge? He gave the challenge and said, would you each day go out and look for somebody you can love? Look for somebody that you can, can encourage back into God's, God's family. And so I talked with Dave on Friday, had lunch with him, and he told me, he said, you know, Tom, I, I, I twice had opportunity and I failed because I had a bad attitude. And, 
And so he was honest, but he, he endeavored to go out and, and love people. And so, so th- that was his challenge. So I'm asking you for him, did you take the challenge? Did you walk that out? And if, and if you did, awesome. If you didn't, it's a lifelong walk. This isn't a, hey, we did it last week and now we can stop. This is a lifelong walk that we walk to love people, to bring people, encourage people back into relationship with God. So, so that's what Dave talked about, and I thought he did a good job. This week, as we head into fall, and as fall is approaching us, we want to kick off our life groups. We want to kick off meeting together in small groups, encouraging each other, and, and, and living and doing life t- together. And, and as a church, we want to be intentional about what we do. So, so when we meet as a church leadership, and we decide we're going to do something, we always ask the question, Why? We don't just throw stuff on the calendar and, um, and say, okay, let's just do that. We always say, why? Why is this important for us to do? We want to be very intentional. And when we talk about life groups and we ask the question, why? Why do we do life groups? The reason we land on doing life groups is we believe there's a spiritual principle about us doing life together. We believe that God wants us and, and has asked us and called us to do life together, to not be alone, to not walk this this life out alone, but to do it together. So we want to offer these opportunities to meet together throughout the week. And as a church, our, our core, core statement says that we love God, we love others, and we make disciples. And in every single life group, regardless of the topic, regardless of the subject, the goal is that we spend time in these life groups loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And so, so what we need to do is we need to take this, this brochure, if you have it, and you need, to, you need to take this home with you, you need to look through it, and you need to decide which group you're going to commit to. Not which group you're going to check out, but which group are you going to commit to from now until Christmas? You know, the groups will, will wrap up sometime early December, and some groups will, will go longer than others. But really, I believe that if we don't make a commitment and say yes and put our name down and say, yes, I'm going to do this, you just won't do it. If, if we don't commit to something, if you don't commit in your heart, I'm just going to do this regardless of how I feel about it right now, you're just not going to do it. And I just think that some of us need to really make a commitment to do this. And, and we try and offer groups that, that fit everybody's position in life. So you can look through this. Some of you guys don't have a clue on how to budget your money and handle your money. You just don't have a clue. You've never been taught. It's not maybe not your fault, or you're just terrible with money. And so we have a, we have a life group called Financial Peace, led by Brian and Melissa Davison. And, and that group is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. It will walk you through a budget. It will walk you through how to get out of some of the debt. It will walk you through how to get out of all of the debt if you, if you want to really attack it. And it will help you to live under the, the financial means that your household has. And some of you need to just suck it up and take this class. And this class, honestly, it costs you 100 bucks to take the class because you have to buy into the program and buy, buy the material. But it would be the most well-spent $100 that you're going to spend in the next month or in the next three months. Some of you need to do that. Some of you guys need, need a marriage tune-up. Some of you guys, your marriages are hanging on by a thread. You're living like, like, uh, like roommates with your spouse. And, and you need to tune up your marriage. And Dave and Amber Irvin are, are, are leading a group on marriage. Love and Respect is the book. You need to sign up for that. You and your spouse need to say, yeah, we're going to do that. And, and, and we need to know that you're going to do that because we have to order books for you. 
in this week. So, so we have sign-ups in the back, and some of you need to sign up for, to tune up your marriage. And some of you guys, you know, you could go through the, through the different lists. Some of you need to just know the foundations of the Christian faith, and we're, we're restarting Alpha. It's a whole new um, Alpha program than what we just went through the summer. So you can look through these, and you can see which ones you, you need to jump into. But, but my goal this morning is to show you biblically why. Why, why it's important that we're a part of groups. And, and, and the thing I mentioned is that doing life together is a spiritual principle. I believe it's a spiritual principle. And I just wanted to define what spiritual principle means. This is my definition. I didn't look it up. I just thought if I was going to tell somebody what is a spiritual principle, this is the spiritual way I would define it. I'd define it as a life practice that God has set up for us to have an abundant life. And let, let me explain that. What I mean is that there's certain, certain practices in the Bible that God has said, if you do this, and if you follow this, I will be faithful to come and meet you here, and therefore, there will be abundant life that I will give you that, that springs out of that. And, and sometimes we take these spiritual principles and we, we struggle with them. We say, why? I, it does, those spiritual principles don't make sense. So there's a spiritual principle, it's... it's um, Psalms 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, most people take the first part and cut and throw that part of the scripture out. And we just say, God will give me the desires of my heart. And so we say, God, give me what I want. I want this, I want that, give it to me. And we don't walk the principle out that says, delight yourselves in the Lord. The first part, our responsibility of the principle is that we engage with God. We, we love ourselves with God. And then the desires of our heart come out. So, so some of these spiritual principles, as we look at a couple of these spiritual principles, I just want to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and it's up there. It says this, let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted and keeps his promises. So with spiritual principles, there's a responsibility that we play, there's a responsibility that God plays. God is faithful and is going to keep his promises. For us, we have to choose to be faithful in the spiritual principles. And in the end, it will bring about abundant life that God offers us. So, so a spiritual principle would be salvation. That's, a, that's a, a, like kind of a 101 spiritual principle. It says this. It says that we are sinners, and because of the separation of sin from God, we are doomed to hell. I mean, it, it, we could be that harsh. that there, There's no way to get to God except for he sent his son Jesus that did some work on the cross that died for us, and he rose from the dead, defeating death. And the spiritual principle says that we repent of the sins in our life, we receive Jesus Christ, and then he gives us eternal life. Now that's a spiritual principle that I would say that most of us, we we grab hold of and we understand. And I, I started thinking, like, why is that one? Because to some people, that could sound crazy. What? Some guy came down from heaven. Just, just put, picture this story. Some guy came down from heaven. He walked on this earth. After 33 years, they killed him. He came out of a tomb three days later. And then after a, a, a short time of, of seeing people, and he went back up into the sky and disappeared. And we, if we accept and receive and follow what that took place we get to go to heaven. That sounds weird, right? But that's a spiritual principle that all of us say, yep, I'm buying into that. And I, and I, I think the reason we, we buy into that is this. I think that at some point in our life, we all recognize that you're aging and you're going to die. 
we're going to die. This body is going to shut down, and my heart's going to stop beating. I felt it last week, climbing a mountain. But you're going to die. And we've reasoned that there is absolutely nothing we can do about that. There is nothing you can do to stop yourself from dying. Everybody dies, and you've all figured that out. Now, we can, you can exercise, you can eat healthy, you can put on, like, age-defying cream. But at the end of the day, you're going to die. And so you, you grab a hold of that, that spiritual principle, and you say, I'm going to be faithful to that. I'm going to believe that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that. Because in the end, I've also reasoned that when I die, there's something after this life, and, and, that, and it equals either heaven or hell, and I'm going to hold on to this principle of, of, of salvation because I want to go to heaven. So that's one that we hold on to. Now, now there's, there's some that we struggle with. There's some spiritual principles that we say, yeah, I can see where God said that, but come on, really? One of them that I, I, I've seen people struggle with is in, in the area of giving. In the area of giving your finances, in the area of giving your time, in the area, in the area of giving your resources, we... We don't hold to that spiritual principle very well. Now, Jesus said this. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. Jesus said that for whatever measure we give, that measurement's going to be given back to us. So, so God, God gives us promises and tells us something, but we, for some reason, have, have reason that giving is not, doesn't sound right. I would rather receive than give. I want. I want more. So if I give, let's just talk about 10%. If I give 10%, I only have 90%. I can't live on 90. I need the whole 100. And so we reason with ourselves why we do or do not follow that spiritual principle. And the reason we, we can do that is because we think we have some sort of control over that spiritual principle. We think that, oh, God says it, but I can control it because it's my time. It's my talents. It's my resources. It's my checkbook. And so I'm going to control that. And we don't follow that spiritual principle. And then life hits us and car breaks down or this or that. And we say, God, where are you? And, and, and God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to meet every need you have. Go serve. Go give, bless people, support. And we say, oh, where are you, God? My car just broke down and I don't have a dollar to my name. So this spiritual principle we don't follow. And then, and then the last spiritual principle we're going we're gonna to land on is just the spiritual principle of, of being together. God follow, fulfills his promises and there's a spiritual principle of being together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. It's not up there. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So there's this principle of being together, of linking together with fellow believers and walking this life out to, to serve God. And, you know, I've noticed that over the, over the past, I don't know, maybe 10 years, our commitment level of life groups, of coming together 
on Sundays and worship has dropped. Just ask yourself, like, are you a four-Sunday-per-month four person? Are you a three-Sunday-per-month person? Are you a one-Sunday-per-month person? And it's been one of those questions I've been asking. Why is this? Why is this? Because I grew up in a, in a culture that said, you went to church. And if somebody asked you, hey, you want to go do this? Yeah, I'll go do it after church is over because I'm going to go worship God with, with the body of Christ that I've chosen to, to link arms with. Or, or with life groups. Hey, you want to join life? I'm not sure if I want to join a life group. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on during the week. And so we've dropped this spiritual principle. And I've wrestled with, why is that? Why is that? Why, why is our culture, is that okay? And I was talking, when I went to Russia in May, I was talking to this pastor who just was wise. He'd been a pastor for like 30 years or something. And he was from California. And I, I was explaining this, this question I was having, is why is people like this? And he explained to me this, and it made a lot of sense. He said, he said you know, back 10, 20 years ago, people had three main like, like uh, let me, I want to find the word just so I, I can tell you. Three main priorities in their life, okay? So, so 20 years ago when I was a kid, our, our main priorities in our life as a family was our family. That was a priority. Work for my, my parents was a priority. And church, being with the body of Christ was a priority. Those were three priorities. And in our weekly life, nothing got in the way of those three priorities. So as a family, we had family day every, once a week. It was usually Sunday we had family day. My, my parents got up and went to work because if they didn't, they'd get fired and we wouldn't eat. And, and on Sundays, we participated in the body of Christ that we, we were a part of. And what this, this guy, this pastor was telling me is, today, because of just the way our world is going, most people have like seven or eight priorities in their life. So, so he says, you know, some priorities are your kids' sports. Some priorities are camping. Some priorities are fishing. Some priorities are hunting. Some priorities are, are whatever social activity you're involved in. You, you, everybody has these multiple priorities. And in, including in those seven or eight priorities is church, work, and family. So, so people haven't dropped their commitment to church or haven't dropped their commitment to life groups. But what, what he explained to me is in our timing, we could only fulfill like four or five of those priorities per week. And four, three or four of them have to get dropped. They just have to. So we have to choose. You know, that's a priority, but I'm going to choose to just not do that one this week because I, I want to do this other priority. And so we're juggling more priorities than what time allows or that, what we can handle. And, and, and so I, I, I start to understand that. And I say, okay, so, so there's some adjustments that need to be made as a church and our expectations of people. But I, I fall... In this, in this finding that God says, no, it's important for you guys to stick together. It's important for us to, to be united. It's important for us to not be lone rangers in the Christian walk. And so that's why we as branches do life groups. And that's why we think it's important that everybody does life groups. Hebrews chapter 10, I read verse 23 where it says God is faithful to keep his promises. Verse 24 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the, the day of his return is drawing near. So the writer of Hebrews is, is encouraging the Christians to encourage each other to love and good works and to meet together. And, and some, some, some people smarter than me think that the reason the writer is writing this is because as the Christians came into relationship with God, they recognized that, oh, I have a, a, 
a one-way communication with God. My communion with God is me and God. No longer do I need to go through the synagogue or through the, the church of their time, but I, I have relationship with God. So therefore, I don't need to get up and go have, have worship with other people. And, and the writer's saying, no, you still want to group together. There's still a, a principle of grouping together. Others thought that maybe the, the, the Jewish Christians of the time were, were coming into the synagogue and now seeing the Gentile, the new Gentile Christians. And these Gentiles were the outcasts. They weren't. And the, the Jew, Jewish Christians were saying, we're far superior. We're God's people. And so they, were just, they just stopped showing up. And so the writer's saying, no, no, no. Keep coming together. You're working together. You're all part of the family. And, and so I just want to look at these, these two verses and, and just, just share a couple thoughts of what I see the writer saying here. And in order to do that, I want to work backwards, okay? So, um, Ash, just leave that up for a second, okay, babe? Um, I call her babe because she's my daughter. I'm allowed to. Just to clarify, because <laughs> this is being recorded, and it could get weird, so... She's embarrassed now. <laughs> I gotta find my spot. <laughs> I gotta stay on task. Okay, so so to work backwards, we have to look at the the end and work our way backwards. Okay, so so the ultimate goal that that the writer in Hebrew is, is saying is that our focus as Christians is to return to Christ. Do you see that at the end? It says, especially now that the day of his returning is drawn near. You can flip to the next slide. Um, If that's our focus, if we're looking into the future and saying, the day of Christ is returning near, and that's what we're looking forward to as as followers of, of Christ, then what we need to do is we need to walk ourselves backwards, and everything that we do as followers of Christ should always be working to the day of his returning. Do you see that? That's, that's what the writer's saying. So Joe and I met with a financial planner several years ago, and the first thing he said to us when we sat at the table is he said, when you guys, he, you know, he asked our age and basics, but he said, when you guys are ready to retire, what is it you want to retire with? How much per month do you want to retire with? What, you know, what's your goals? What do you want to live on? And so we told him a number, and then he worked his way backwards to that day that we were sitting at the table and he said, in order to hit that goal, you need to find and hit these certain benchmarks along the way. Does that make sense? If you were to write your five-year plan out, you wouldn't say, well, tomorrow I'm going to get up and eat. And then the, the next day I might go to work. You're going to say, in five years I want to be here. And then I'm going to work myself back to that. And everything that I do is going to be directing me towards that point. That makes sense, right? So, so the writer says the, the day of his returning is drawing near. As Christians, our, what we're looking forward to is Jesus coming, sin being wiped out, God's kingdom being fully established, fully revealed, fully in control here, and us living under it as, as, as sons and daughters of, of, of the king. That's what our goal is. is look, that's what we should be looking forward to, is that Jesus is coming back and Whatever we're dealing with in this world is going to be wiped away, and we're going to live for eternity with our king. And it's going to be beautiful. So as we look forward and say that is what we're keeping our eyes focused on, then we walk backwards and we say, what are the principles that God has set up for us that we 
we need to follow. And, and in life groups, the writer says this. He says that we need to be meeting together. That's a principle. That if, as Christians walking on this earth, we need to meet together with fellow believers so that we can encourage each other. So we're meeting together. I need people around me that encourage me. I cannot walk this life by myself. I need people that say, hey, Tom, how you doing? Hey, Tom, how's God with you right now? How are you with God? How's your prayer life? How's your life relationship with your wife? I need those kind of people. And, and that involves meeting with other Christians and grouping together, either in a worship service or, as the point we're at this morning, our small groups. And, and I, I realize that there's a couple reasons why we don't meet together. One reason is, I don't know if I like those people. I mean, just flat out, you could be honest with yourself. You start looking, you go back and you'll look at the table and you'll say, I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in the alpha group. Oh, that guy's in it. That lady talks a whole lot. She's going to take up the whole group. And you, we just don't like each other. You need to get over that because we're going to be together for eternity. You know? We're going to, we need to just get over ourselves. Sometimes we don't want to join a group because I don't know if I like people. I don't, I don't want to have to sit and listen to that person's struggles. Well, the spiritual principle says we need to. Here's another reason we don't join a group. I don't want to sit and have to share about myself to other people. Maybe something in my life will be exposed, and I don't want people to know that about me. That might be one that we hold that, that allows us to not join and group together with people. I just, if I sit next to that person, I may have to pray. I may have to, like, talk. I may have to share about myself. But, but the writer says, as we look forward to the day of Christ's returning, let us not neglect meeting together. And then just working back a little bit further, the reason we meet together is to encourage each other and to love and good works. That's the intentional purpose of why we meet. That's why we choose to have life groups is that we can encourage each other to love and good works. Here's a liberating thought. As Christians, our job is not to fix people. I am so glad that that's not my job. But you know what's sad? The church thinks our job is to fix people. We really do. You, you, can, go to, you can go and just see our, that the church, the American church, Christian church as a whole, thinks our job is to fix people. Our job is to say, you need to get yourself right, and, the, and let me tell you 10 steps of how you're going to get yourself right. Or you're, there's sin in your life, let me point it out to you, and let me really point it out to you, and maybe through that, you'll be convicted and get yourself right. That's not our job. Our job is to encourage each other to love and good works. We encourage each other, we love on each other, and what happens? God comes in and does the work. We've been doing it all wrong. We've been saying, we're gonna fix the people, and when we fix you and you look like we look, then we're gonna love you. No. Well, we throw that, that's trash. We need to say, we're gonna encourage people both, both those that are, are followers of Christ and those that aren't. We're going to encourage people. We're going to love people. And when we love on a person so much, they're going to wonder what is different about that person. Because I've never experienced a, a Christian that way. 
They're going to wonder what is different about that church because I've never walked into a place where people just loved me for who I was and there was no finger pointing and there was no condemnation and they just loved me. When I walk into a life group, they're going to love me. Why are they loving me the way they love me? It's because that's our job, Christians. Our job is to love people. And when we love people to, to, and encourage them to love and good works, then that's when God comes in and does his part and keeps his promises. That's where hearts get softened and hearts get open so that, so that people can come and meet Jesus and be reconciled like what Dave was talking about, back to the Father. And so th- these are the reasons that I think that life group, doing life together, is a spiritual principle that God sets up. These are the reasons that I believe that it's not, it's not to be walked alone. This is the reasons why I, th- I think that the Bible talks about the, the, us, the church, being the body of Christ, being parts interweaved and, and working together. And these are the reasons that we at Branches do life groups. So, so would you stand with me? And, and what, I, what I really would love to do is have you just take, take this, this flyer home. And really consider what group you're gonna what group you're gonna be a part of. And and just say, you know what? That scripture makes sense to me. Maybe what Tom said makes sense to me, or maybe you've you've worked out the nonsense I've said in, in order to make it sense, make sense. And it makes enough sense that I'm gonna commit to joining a life group. I'm gonna commit to being part of the body of Christ. And then take that that flyer, this brochure, and just look at what is it in your life that you want to tighten up on? What is it your life, in your life that you need to tighten up? For me, I want to find the greatest American burger. So, so I'm going to go looking for a hamburger with Frank. But no, like Frank's group, honestly, it's kind of misrepresented. But Frank just believes that, um, we all believe this, but that we should be praying for our country. That we're, we're entering into probably a very crucial election time. And so Frank's group on Wednesday night, we're going to go have a nice meal. He's going to bring some scripture. And we're, going to, we're just going to, we're going to pray for the leaders of our country. We're going to be praying for the election. We're going to be praying for what America is up to and be praying for our country. That's, that's the heart of what, what that group's going to be. So, so some of these groups are going to get, like, down and dirty. Like, you're going to be dealing with your finances. You're going to be dealing with your spouse. Some of these groups are, like, just fellowship groups, which are awesome. I think it's really good that we just have fun with each other, that we just play and have a good time. So, so you, might, you might say, oh, I'm going to join two groups because I, w- I want to have fun and I, I need to get some stuff taken care of. So, so just take that. And then, and then we're just going to enter this time right now. And you can see, I, I don't know if there's a slide up there on, about uh, ministry time, but what ministry time is, what we do as a church is, is we always want to provide an opportunity to, to love on each other. It's just that simple. And so it, it is absolute that in this room there's somebody, if not multiple people, if not all of us, just dealing with junk because life is always trying to beat us up. And, and this is our time as a, as a, as a church to, to just encourage each other, ask God to join with what you're dealing with, ask God to heal, ask God to, to just intervene on our behalf. And so this next time as we worship if you need prayer, if you want to pray, um, if you feel like you have something that you want to just share with somebody, you could come up and sit in the front row. There's people that are going to be up here that will come and meet you. 
They will talk with you. They will pray with you. And that's what this time is. And so, so I always want to make it, a, it important that we do not leave this place without giving back, giving to God the junk that we're dealing with and letting him, letting him take, take charge of it and letting him work with it. And in order to do that, you have to come up and you have to, you have to just say, yeah, I'm dealing with this. Can you pray with me? And people will pray with you. And God will meet you where you're at. So that's what this next time, we're going we're gonna to enter in a time of worship. During that time, you could come up and stand up here. People will pray with you. When, when the song's over, David will, will dismiss us. If, if you're not getting prayed for, if you feel like, hey, I've, I've received, I'm good for the day, let's go outside and take our conversations outside. There's sign-up tables for the life groups out there. Um, just leaving this place kind of as a quiet place for people who want to continue to worship and or receive prayer, okay?